0: I'm looking for a crested blazer a crested blazer I wore one once and I really think it did something for me yes I think we might have something the Joseph Abud crested blazer is the finest that's hand ticking around the crest and these are the world-famous Coriso buttons made from the finest antelope horn
1: yeah, they'll match my sneakers
0: <laughs> it looks fabulous on you shall I wrap it up You know, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what. I'll come back later with someone, see what they think. Uh huh. Really, I'll I'll be back.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast. I'm your host, Adam. And I'm Eric. On today's episode, we welcome Harry Van Gorkum. Harry has appeared in a number of films and TV shows, including The Nanny, Batman and Robin, 24, Gone in 60 Seconds, Pink Panther 2, The Foreigner, Will and Grace, Entourage, and The Karate Kid. But Seinfeld fans will always remember him for playing Craig in the classic Season 7 episode, The Wigmaster, and we're so glad he can join us today. Thank you for being with us, Harry.
2: Real pleasure, guys. Real pleasure. And You even said my name right, Craig. Yes, that's
1: right. (laughs) 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 And uh, just a quick note for our listeners: Harry is joining us from the UK today, which means that uh, Eric and I got to get up early, which was totally worth it to talk to Harry. But uh, if we sound a little tired or a little different, we just wanted to let you know. But uh, we got just poured ourselves a cup of morning thunder, so I think we're ready to go.
2: Appreciate it, guys. I appreciate
1: it. Oh, we appreciate it. We're really excited to talk to you. So we're just going to get right into it. How did the role on Seinfeld come about, and what was the audition like for it?
2: It was one of the strangest auditions I've done because it was on a uh, a Saturday morning over at NBC Universal, and uh, so I went in as usual. You know, you go in with probably about 40, 45, sometimes 50 other people up for this guest starring role on Seinfeld, and the part was written American. It was an American clothing salesman. So I went into the room with the casting director. Mark Lieberman, I think it was. Is that correct? You guys all know. Did Lieberman cast Seinfeld? That a quick look. It was,
1: yeah, it was uh, uh, Mark, Mark Hirschfeld. Yeah.
2: Mark Hirschfeld. That's it, Mark Hirschfeld. So I went into the room and I said, you know, can I, any way I can do this English? Because listen, he's arrogant, he's snooty, He's he's rude and we do that so well, naturally in <laughs> English. And he said, well, give it a go, and we'll see. So I did it English, and it was the scene when I'm basically setting him the jacket, the first scene when I set him the jacket, and I think I did the second. No, it's just the first scene with Jerry. And I did it, and then they said, and this this is what unusual, they said, could you all wait outside once you've been in? Don't leave. So we all had to go outside and sit there and stare at each other as you do in auditions, you know, sizing each other up. The interesting thing about I've noticed from doing American auditions and English auditions, when you go for an English audition, everyone's really chatty and talking about how things are going and good luck in their mates and all that kind of stuff. You go to American auditions, no one talks. Everyone's trying to psych each other out. (laughs) Even people walking up and down, doing their lines in front of you in their way to try and put you off. (laughs) We're all sitting there staring at each other, you know, and then Mark, Mark comes out and says, right, can you, 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 you and you come with me now, please. And and there was about eight of us. So eight of us were then taken physically across the lot. And we didn't know where we were going, he didn't tell us. So we were taken across the Universal lot, past all the other studios and stuff, into this other room. And he said, can you wait out here because we're doing the callback straight away. So I'm like, wow, this is great. He says, yeah, because we start filming on Monday. And I'm like, whoa, that's amazing, okay. So then I start getting a little bit nervous because I'm like, OK, callback phase. Here we go. And I go in the room. And if my nerves aren't bad enough already, sitting in the room, a Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. So I'm like, shit, this is serious. So I explain to them, well, I think Mark explains to them he's going to do it in English. And they're both sort of going mm, and Jerry's like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know about the English. I'm not sure. OK, just do it. So I do it. And this is one of the highlights of my life. I made them both laugh at the same time. I made Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld laugh in the audition room quite a few oh. times. So I didn't care if I got the part or not. I walked out of there and I thought, I don't care if I got the part. I made Larry David and Seinfeld laugh. They make me laugh every week. Okay. They they are the geniuses of comedy on American television at the moment. I've made them laugh. That's fine. Now there was a guy outside who was a sort of an assistant. And he was a bit sort of um, detached, let's put it that way. It wasn't really into the whole experience. But I went up to him and said, listen, um, I don't want to be presumptuous or anything, but it is the weekend and you may not be able to get on my agent. So if anything does become of this, here's my home number in case you need to call me. He said, there's no there's no reason for that, sir. We're fine. And I'm like, well, can you just take it just in case He says, oh, you're very confident. I, I said, I'm not being confident. I'm just covering my bases. So I got home. And then Sunday afternoon, my phone goes, and it's this guy. And I go, "Yep." he says, it's so and so. I go, hi, he says, listen, you start tomorrow morning on Seinfeld stage for the table read. And I was, ex- I mean, I was just like, what? What? You know, you've got 50 people up that part. Here's me going and doing it in English, thinking I've got another <laughs> chance. I said to the guy, lucky I gave you my number, wasn't it? He was like, uh-huh. So, so uh, Monday morning. Shall so I carry on or do you want me to just keep on waffling or do you want to ask a question?
1: Oh, no, please, no, please keep going.
2: So, so basically from, from going in on Saturday to Monday morning, I'm walking onto the Seinfeld set, which is an experience in itself, as you guys probably know. I mean, you walk onto that set, it is, it is like hallowed comedy ground. Let's put it that way. I mean, I'd done a few comedies by that time. I'd done The Nanny, as you said. I'd done my first, my own TV, not my own TV show. I'd, I'd been a regular on a TV show on Warner Brothers called First Time Out, playing this crazy womanizing hairdresser. But I hadn't really experienced this level of television comedy. And the table read is the most terrifying experience anyway. I don't know if, if the listeners know what that is. You basically on the first on before you even start filming anything, you all literally sit around a table in front of the set with the director, Larry David in this case, with a couple of, uh, probably the writers at the table, a couple of writers. But then in the stands, where an audience usually sit, is full of all the producers, all the showrunners, everyone from NBC. So there's an audience of probably about 40 people there listening to the table read. And what you do basically is you read the script. Larry David will read the, 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 the stage directions and you will go through it line by line. And many actors have been fired from the table read. Because even though they do a really good job in the room, when it comes to being at, on, at the table, they, they don't actually hit the marks or hit the beats that they want or they, they, they did in the room in the first place. And it's not really surprising because I'm sitting at this table and I'm sitting there looking. And there's Larry David and there's Jerry Seinfeld and there's Jason Alexander and there's Michael Richards and there's Julie Louise Dreyfus and me and the other guests, two other guest stars, the guy who played the Wigmaster and the girl who played the Wigmaster's friend. So there's three guest stars that week. And it's terrifying. It is terrifying because because you know if you mess up now, you're out. And they sit there, and every line you have, they mark on a little bit of paper. They think that worked, that worked, that doesn't work. You can see them doing a sort of tick-cross, tick-cross, tick-cross to see what's working and what isn't. Anyway, the table read luckily went really well. And I went straight into rehearsals. I think my first rehearsal was me and Jerry in the clothing store. Now the clothing store they're built because as you know, they got they got the uh, Jerry's apartment. The diner and Julie Louise Draper's apartment; those are the three main sets. And I think just George and George's apartment, but, but that wasn't it much. That you yeah, got well, yeah, George's apartment. So you have got the four; the, those four sets. So you've got all those lined up in front of you for the audience to see. But then, round the side of the audience, round the back, they built this extra set, which was the the clothing store. Which I can't remember the name of. What was the name of the clothing store, guys?
1: The, the Andover Shop.
2: The Andover Shop. That's right. I worked at the Andover Shop. Um, <laughs> Selling the crested blazer with the Cariso <laughs> buttons. I still remember it, every bloody line. Because when I did it, I did it with him. And we we run it. And when you do rehearsal, you run the scene a few times. First few days, you're just running it. And then they give you rewrites. So you go home that night, you get a rewrite of the script. They never changed one line of my script. It stayed exactly the same from the first it to last, which is unheard of again. In, 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 in situation comedy circles. You get rewrites every night. I've done a situation comedy when I've done a long speech in front of a live audience. I think it was Veronica's, Veronica's Closet. And the director came up and said, right, we've got to rewrite for you. We've rewritten this whole script. Could you learn it in two minutes? But, but you got to, if you don't hit the beat, don't do it because I want the audience to get a natural laugh. So I had to go backstage in two minutes and learn this new speech and come out and say, right, I'm ready. And then we did it. So the audience got the laugh at the end because it was a funnier, funnier beat at the end. So I've always been used to rewrites, but there were no rewrites with this at all. My script, I seem to remember, didn't change at all. And the weirdest thing was I only got one piece of direction the whole week I was there from Larry David. He didn't bother me at all. He just let me do my stuff. He just came up to me at one point and all he said to me was he said. He's not nasty. He's just snooty. So don't make him nasty. And that was it. That was, I mean, usually they work on sitcoms. I mean, I've worked with William Burroughs, you know, the best. And he, he will take, he will take lines apart. He will take sentences apart and go right, hit this bit like that, and that bit bring it down to that. This bit like this. This bit, the beat is there. Seinfeld, they just let you, they totally trust you as an actor. If they cast the right person, they know it's going to work. And I had, I think, four, five scenes in that. I had quite a lot to do. I had five or five scenes, I think of this sort of 12 scenes. So I was in half, no, no, probably less less than half, probably, and I don't know what it is. I can't do my maths, but but I was in a lot of scenes. So it was amazing to watch them work. It was the most, I I mean, usually, the other thing is usually you go back to your dressing room when you're not needed. Um, and you sit there and you learn your lines or you, you watch TV or you doze or you snack on too much easy food, whatever. So you have a little dressing room you go to. But here I didn't. I just sat in the stands watching all day because this was my comedy workshop. This that week taught me more about situation comedy than any other week of any other acting school I've been to any other class I've been to. That was the week that gave it to me.
1: Oh, That's so amazing. Yeah. what What a way to learn. <laughs>
2: it was incredible.
3: And just going back to your audition for a second. Do you remember what you did in the audition that made Larry and Jerry laugh?
2: Yeah, it was an improv I did which stayed in, and I did it again in the take and actually added to it. It was the simple like when he says I'll be back, and I went uh huh, oh. and it was just that. It was just that little sort of uh huh, which is like yeah right, sure you will yeah yeah. <laughs> and then and then and then when he in, in the actual t- in the, when we actually filmed it, I added he said I will, I'm, I'm coming back, and I went yeah, just. Oh. Just like, it was me just getting into the character. I mean, I I used to, this is interesting. I used to work in a clothing store in England. I worked in a really snooting clothing store for yuppies, basically called Blazer Menswear. Me and a very famous guy called Johnny Vaughan, probably never heard of him, but he's very famous in England. Me and him worked in Blazer Menswear. So we were those guys. We were those snooty guys who sold you clothing. We weren't (laughs) snooty. We would just take the mickey out of everyone coming in because they were real little snobs. But... That character. and I've got to tell you a story now. If you've got time, I've got to tell you this story. So. After the show, probably about a year later, I went to the Macy's clothing sale. Now, was it Macy's? No, what's the big store in LA? The really posh one. What's the really posh one in Beverly Hills?
3: Oh, is it Barney's?
2: Barney's. Thank you. Barney's. Barney's every year have a warehouse sale at Santa Monica Airport where you can go and they have all their suits, all their clothing laid out for cheaper prices. So I went there and bought myself a suit at the Barneys Warehouse sale. I got home, I tried it on, my girlfriend at the time looked at it and said, no, nah, it's not you, I don't like it. So I said, okay, fine. So I called up Barneys and I said, listen, I've got this suit. This, this, was, this was like a Seinfeld script. I said, I've got this suit, I'd like to return it. Certainly, sir. Where did you buy it? Well, I bought it at Barneys. Yes, but where at Barneys, sir? Which Barneys? And I said, oh, the, the Warehouse sale. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, we don't take suits at the Warehouse sale. I'm saying, but it's Barney's. I said, yeah, we don't take those suits. Once you bought those suits, you can't return them. It was a Seinfeld episode. So I said, (laughs) I said, fine, I'm bringing it back in. So I brought it back in. I went up up to the fifth floor, I got up there, and my character from Seinfeld walked over to me. I mean, it was him, and he said, can I help you, sir? And I said, yes, I brought a suit, Um, I'd like to return it, he says, right. And I said, "Uh, I bought it at the Barney's warehouse sale, right. Let me go and get the manager. So the manager comes over and I'm sitting there going, this is Seinfeld, this is weird. And he <laughs> exactly. comes over and goes, can I help you, sir? I said, yes, I've got this suit. He says, can I return it? Certainly, sir. Would you like? And he actually said, would you like cash or would you like to put it back in your credit card? Which is a line I use in Seinfeld. Would you like cash or would you, would you like to pay cheque? So I said, uh, credit would be great. No, cash would be great. So we walked over to the till. I gave him the suit. He gave me the money. And as he passed the money over to me, he looked at me and he said, I loved your work on Seinfeld, sir.
0: <laughs> and that was it.
2: That's why he took the suit back. Wow. Because he remembered me from Seinfeld. He thought I, I was I was and I was I was a horrible character. I was one of them, but I was playing one of them as a caricature. But that's what <laughs> got my return suit. Thanks to Seinfeld. Another time I was walking through New York, 10 years later after Seinfeld, 10 years later I was walking past a store. You know how fast people walk in New York? You know, you're walking 12 miles an hour. I walk past a little shop like that, looking like this, beard, you know, different. Guy runs out and goes, "Greg Seinfeld, right? And I'm (laughs) like,
0: what? How? (laughs) How? Uh.
2: So yeah, it's, uh, that. I mean, just life imitates... Ah, oh, i mean that character i knew so well um but i don't know where he came from i tell you the truth the tape night when we filmed the tape night you know I've d- i did a lot of and i don't know if the audience already know i mean when you do you do a live audience so you're there you rehearse it all week and then basically the cameras come you've done a camera block and you've done all that and then the audience come in and they sit there and you record it like a stage play. It's like a stage play. It's, it's a really weird form of acting because you're doing a stage play, but you're not because you've got the cameras between you and the audience. And you do retakes and you do retakes. But basically, you're doing it live for the audience. So the laughs you hear are the laughs that are there. Now, one thing I've learned from situation comedy from doing it, I don't know if Seinfeld told me this, or maybe even Jerry told me this. He said, don't get it right the first time. I said, what do you mean? He said, get the joke right. But then fluff something. I said, what? He didn't let say that. He just it, it was an example of the audience. If you listen, if, if you if you're ever in a live studio audience, the first time they hear the joke, this is the laugh. <laughs> because they get the joke. Second time they hear it, they're in on the joke. They know it's coming, but they, they but they haven't really heard it right yet. So They're like, oh, ho ho oh, third time. They're part of the team. So the third time they hear that joke, if you're doing take three, they're like they're waiting for the joke. They know when to laugh. They're part of it. They're going to go for it. So it's like <laughs> that's why you hear the laughter so loud on situation comedy, because usually it's the third or fourth take they use. So the laughter is so, you know, like like a sort of cannon going off. There's nothing like it when you hit that beat and you get it right and you get that laugh in the audience. It's, 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 it's a drug. If you don't get it. You know you've done something wrong because it's the same line. You just haven't delivered it in the right way.
3: And like you said, you have a lot of scenes in this episode, and we're going to discuss each one of them. But first, right off the top, we have to ask you, was that your real hair in the episode?
2: No. The main thing was, when I was doing the TV show before that, I mentioned um, first time out, I was playing a hairdresser. And I had long hair for that, and I had a ponytail. In fact, just before that, I'd auditioned for Doctor Who which I got uh, in America. And then it was a long story. It was it was all taken away from me. What am I? What am I low point in my career? But. um, I had long hair and I had a ponytail, but then I cut it off for Gone in 60 seconds. When I had gone in 60 seconds, they cut my hair really short for the bad guy in there. Gone in 60 seconds was a great film for me, but I was gone in 58 seconds in the final cut. Um, (laughs) It was one of those things that, you know, weeks and weeks of filming. And then that's another story. But uh, so I had a very short haircut. So in fact, my hair was growing out from that, and my hair was a piece of Julie Louise Dreyfus's hair. Basically, they gave her hair pieces to make her hair look fuller and and you know more more luxury, even though it was amazing her hair. So it was basically a piece of her hair they clipped on the back.
1: Oh, that's funny.
2: That's an inside tip right there. So I was I was actually wearing Julie Louise Julie, Louise Dreyfus's hair piece.
1: Oh man, you have to have that on your resume.
2: <laughs> and she, by the way, is one is one of the most. And this is going to sound very sort of like gushy, but she's one of the most amazing actors to work with because you know you're. It's nerve wracking. I mean, when, when you are doing the the live taping, I've got to tell you this. So the live taping, I've got a few friends of mine. One of whom is a very well known director and a very famous director called Harold Zwart, who's Norwegian. Who's I've done every film he's ever he's ever done. Most of my resume, films wise, you'll see the name Harold Zwart is directing it because we've been friends for years. We did commercials together in Europe, blah, 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 blah. His first film, I flew myself to Norway to be in it. I slept on his floor with him and his wife. You know, I've I've always supported him. So ever since then, he said, right, every film I do, you're going to be in it. So that's where Karate Kid came from. That's where Pink Panther came from. Anyway, he was a young director in, in Hollywood at the time. So I was allowed... Three tickets, I think, to the screening. So my manager came, and I told Tom and Harold, "I've got tickets for us to go and see Seinfeld. Meet me there." I didn't tell them I was on it. So they came and sat in the audience next to my manager, and they said, "Where's Harry?" And they said, "Sorry, Harry couldn't make it tonight. You know, he's not well. He's got to stay home. He's got an audition tomorrow." So they had no idea I was on the show. So the first scene is me and Jerry in the clothing store, which is around the side of the audience. So you can't see us preparing or anything. So they're looking at the monitors and the first scene comes up and they see me and they go, Harry, it's Harry. And they had to cut cut until the audience, because they they couldn't believe it was me. They were like, it's Harry, it's Harry on TV. (laughs) (laughs) So so they were so, so over there. And they came down after after the filming, they came down and met everyone. I mean, they said, come on down, meet everyone. They're like, we can? I said, yeah. They came into the onto the Seinfeld set. I mean, they were just beside themselves. And the strange thing in Norway is, is that not strange, but it's a Norwegian tradition. When you meet someone, you actually bow. You actually you don't shake hands. You do a little bow, which Michael Richards absolutely loved. So he was just bowing to everyone. He was like, oh, hello, 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 <laughs> hello, because he just was loving the physical comedy of that. So. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that that, that was the, uh, the 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 taping. But, but no, Judith Lise-Dreyfus. During the taping, the first scene we have together in the cafe when I'm meeting, I mean, the first scene in the, in, the, in the shop, I didn't do much with her, but the first scene was just me and her in the diner. She could tell I was kind of nervous. I was sitting there going, you know, I've got this scene, it's just me and her. She was so chilled and she was so nice. And the thing about her is she's very beautiful anyway. But there's something about her, as soon as they say action, I've never seen this from the, any other actress in my life. As soon as they say action, something happens to her. She just goes, bing! And you're like, fucking hell, you excuse me. Jesus, you are, you are stunning! I mean, she just does something. When the camera goes action, a different person comes out. And you're like, this is easy. I can act with this. I can, I can flirt with this. I mean, my God, you're gorgeous. So she wow. does, she was so lovely so they all were i mean they they were all so unaffected and unpretentious and and supportive and and just just um they they are really competitive with each other but in a good way they all want more material they all want more screen time they all want to show what they can do i mean you look at michael richards i mean I've never seen anything like it because you look at the script there's nothing there there's absolutely nothing there that's funny Michael Richards enters the kitchen and says this and then you see him during the rehearsals he comes up with ideas he comes up with a hit in the head he comes up with a slip he comes up with a a look I mean even on tape night he's that's why people crack up at Michael Richards because even on recording night, he's doing stuff they haven't seen yet. So you, you, you're taken totally by surprise by what he's going to do next.
1: Oh yeah, and we never get sick of hearing that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you probably hear all the time. I mean he's, he, I, I mean a comic genius, comic genius. Yeah.
1: Oh seriously though. And going back to your scenes real quick, um, yeah. are those your suits that you're wearing, or did wardrobe provide them for uh, you?
2: They, funnily enough, I think they are. Yeah, the, the three-piece. The three-piece sort of tweed suit is mine. I remember, but what they did was it was lovely. Told, usually, wardrobe they tell you to bring any clothing in which you think would be suitable. So I brought. I, I had a lot of suits. Basically, that clothing store I used to work at. I used to, I used to sort of borrow the suits, and uh, and and they they the great thing was they took the three suits. I think I wore three of my own suits in that. Um, they said, right, we're going to tailor these perfectly for you. So I went to the tailor with them and they tailored them exactly to my size. So even though they're off the big suits, they tailored them. So yeah, you're right. Those suits, I've forgotten that. They were all my own. Even that coat. No, the coat wasn't mine. The big coat in the outdoor scene, that was theirs.
1: And we also noticed you're wearing a pinky ring in the episode. So was that yours or was that for the character?
2: That's mine. That's mine. I don't wear it anymore because... I don't know. It's got too small fingers. have got too fat and stubby. Can't put it on anymore. Got it large. But that's my pinky ring. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, come on. Craig
2: was so much me. It was ridiculous. Craig was 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 a, was a was. I mean, not me, but I mean, he was because he was English and he was that kind of class. It was just basically doing a an extreme version of what you would be if you were in that situation. That's how I saw it. It was just like me being that and. And I don't know where he came from. I still don't know when i I watched the episode now, I'll tell you the truth. I still watch that episode and I don't see me in it. <laughs> and I don't know where it all came from because when I started taping that episode, I went into a zone, and I've never done it on any other show. I basically I remember going in starting, and I don't remember anything of what happened during the taping i I really don't. it's like it's like I went into this into this into this probably hyper um focused space and i remember when it came out when i finished i had my last scene i smoked at the time and i drank coffee which i do not do either anymore i walked off the set and i went outside and got a coffee and had a cigarette outside and then i heard someone shouting harry harry where are you harry they were doing the curtain call because they'd they decided not to do the last scene they're gonna do that after the audience had left so jerry seinfeld was introducing me to come on so I had to run on with my, I had to put my coffee and and tea, my tea and cigarette down, and I in the, I run on from the wrong side, and I'm going to run on this side. Yeah, you know, and so I'm, and on my, I've got my script here, and Jerry writes on it, Harry, Harry, where are you? Because they're <laughs> looking for me to come and introduce me to the audience at the end for the curtain call. So I almost missed the curtain call, um, because it was honestly, it's the only show I've ever done that I watch it, and I don't know me. I, I don't remember doing any of that.
3: Wow. And you mentioned working with Julia before, and I think probably my favorite scene of yours is when Jerry brings Elaine to the Andover shop and you start hitting on her right in front of him. But before we discuss it, we're gonna just play the clip real quick. So here it is. Remember me? I said I'd come back
0: with someone and I did. <laughs> Surprised? No, I believed you. Yes. <laughs> Elaine. Oh, hello. I'm Craig. Uh, hi. <laughs> well, here it is. Oh, Joseph Abood. And look at this hand ticking around the crest. You know your clothes. Well, I'm in the biz. I, uh, I work for Jay Peterman. I love J. Peterman. Oh. <laughs> I especially enjoy the catalogue. Those fanciful narratives really take me away. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what? I write those. No. Oh, Elaine, yeah. what about The Crest? What do you think of The Crest here? Well, I love it. You what? I think it's great. I think you should get it. Well. <laughs> Will it be cheque or credit card? Cheque. I'll need you to write down your phone number on the cheque for me. Perhaps you could do the same. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so what was your experience like working with Julia and Jerry in that scene?
2: Jerry is very, very, uh, and you probably heard this from a lot of actors you speak to, Jerry is keeps himself to himself. He's very, uh, unless you know about the baseball or cars, there's not much to talk to Jerry about because Larry and him will talk nonstop about baseball and cars. And unless you're in on baseball, which, of course, I wasn't because I didn't know, you know, one end of a bat from the other at the time. And, you know, I, I couldn't afford a Porsche. So it was like it was it was the weirdest thing. I mean, he was very, very supportive. He was always there. He, he he he's a terrible you know, he laughs. If, if something's funny, he cannot stop himself from laughing. It has to be funny. He will never laugh. To support you but if you do something that's funny you'll have to cut and retake your sam's i'm sorry i'm sorry you know you just got me there which is the biggest compliment for any actor i mean to make jerry corpse you know is mean you're doing something right um so that scene we we did it a few times because you know he's stuck there in the middle and there's me and Julia are talking right in front of him flirting away about you know clothing and you know i love so and so i love this this designer and this designer and he just one take, he just cracks up because he says, I'm just standing here like you guys. I'm, I'm invisible. And, and we're like, yeah, that's the point. He's like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I'm just not here. And Larry was like, yeah, Jerry, that's the point. You're not there. Right. That's why it's <laughs> funny, Jerry. So. so But it was like, but she she's very clever, Julia, at picking up on your energy and tone, because if you look, if you look at that scene, I'm talking a certain way. like No. And she goes, yes. Now, that wasn't scripted. It's like, really? Really? So we're both bouncing off each other on the same, she copies what I'm doing to make it gel. That's how good she is.
1: Yeah, and another thing that I found really funny that I think works well with the scene is you're pretty tall. It's like, cause you're taller than Jerry. So, yeah. And she's really short, so I yeah. just love that, you know, you're not yeah. really talking down to her, but there's just that comedic thing of having yeah, a really tall a person and a short That's person, like...
2: And that yeah. moment I said, when I say to her, when I, because I remember that with the check line, when I'm saying, you know, I'll need a check, please. I need you to write your name and number on the check for me. And then I turn to her and I say, perhaps you could do the same. <laughs> I don't know where that voice came from, because that wasn't scripted either. I think I was very nervous and my voice was like stuck in my throat, but it comes across as really smarmy. It's like, you know, perhaps you could do the same. <laughs> so it just it, it just works really. I mean, it's amazing. I remember this. If you talk to me about any other show I did, and uh, that's the only show. Seinfeld's the only show I can remember it line for line pretty well. And we're talking how long ago, guys? Thirty, 30 twenty-eight, 28?
1: twenty. Yeah, like twenty-eight years roughly.
2: 28
1: yeah, years
3: ago. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you mentioned that Larry David gave you that one note, but did you notice him doing anything else on the set?
2: Larry was very, again, very quiet, Uh, uh, more interested in the, I mean, you know, as you know, the the hardest thing of doing a sitcom is the blocking. I mean, that's basically what you're rehearsing for, for the cameras. You've got four film cameras in those days. Unbelievable. But you've got four cameras, you know, moving and you've got to basically do a dance with them. I I call basically my term for sitcom acting is is Mark and Bark. Because, you know, you've got to hit your mark and you've got to stay your line the right way. And that's what sitcom acting is in, in, in a nutshell, because if you don't hit that mark or you don't be in the right place, the camera's going to miss you or you're going to be blocking somebody else or that, you know, because it, it's all stacked. You know, you, it's a very hard space to work in. You're basically doing a theater play and the cameras are going to get in there and behind you and all these angles. So if I suddenly wander over here, I'm blocking that camera. I'm blocking someone else. So. So Larry David is, was a lot of it was basically working out the actual uh, physicality of it. Um, he would work a lot with the script, with with you know changes to the to other people's scripts. I mean the thing about Seinfeld, which is kind of terrifying, which I don't know if a lot of people know, is they film all four stories. There's there's four stories usually. Each, each character has a story. Um, you know Michael Richards had his story about the dream about the technical dream code. George had the story about the Wigmaster living in his house, You know, Elaine has the story about me, but the girl who played the friend of the Wigmaster, so it's not like nowadays when you can stream things and watch it at any time. I never forget when Seinfeld aired, in, in, in so basically it airs you know, on a Thursday night, and my friends from New York, because I had a Seinfeld party at my house, I had a screening party at my house, I invited all my friends over, they all wanted to come, so we'd watch it live that night. But I didn't know how much that's going to be in it, because they cut the crap out of it. They film, I think, 40 minutes of material and cut it down to 24 minutes. And if you look at Seinfeld, it is cut. It is cut to the minuscule seconds and moments and little bits. and little, it, the, the editing is amazing. It's chopped and chopped till you get. That's why you get such rich material, because they use all the best stuff in that 24 minutes. They film 40 minutes of it. So someone's story always has to kind of go. And, and I was sitting there going, what happens if my story's cut? We could be watching it. It could be really embarrassing. And I appear in one scene and then I'm gone. But uh, luckily, my friends from New York called me and said, we just watched it. We just watched it. I said, how is it? Am I in it? They said, oh, you're in it. You're all over it. I'm like, oh, God, for that. But the girl who played the the girlfriend of the, um, of the wingmaster was cut out. I mean, she, I think she had just she one appearance, I think, in the cafe, in the, in the outdoor cafe when they're talking about, uh, how do you know he's not with me? She's there talking to him. Um, But apart from that, all her scenes are gone. So I felt so sorry for her because they edit the crap out of it. But Larry, Larry David, as I said, he only gave me one note. I've never had a director give me less notes. Even on tape night, he didn't give me any notes. He just let me roll. And I think that that gives you the confidence that what you're doing is right, because the more notes you get, the more you worry about you're not finding the character. I've done sitcoms where they, you know, you it, it gets like am I am I anywhere near what you want for this? You know, because you're giving you're changing it so much. The script is changing every night. Certain jokes are going, certain jokes are staying. You're thinking, why did that joke go? Maybe I didn't hit that right. But this, my script didn't change and and it was one note. And that that made it that I think gives you that confidence. And that that's obviously how he works. You know, he just the casting process is all for them. They they are so experienced at seeing the right people. They know what's going to work for their show. And so he, he doesn't get involved. Very quiet man as well. Him, very quiet, very, very introvert.
3: So I'm not even sure if hate is the right word, but any theories as to why Craig dislikes Jerry so much? Like, do you think it was just because he didn't like the blazer or do you think there was more to it?
2: I don't think he hates him. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't hate Jerry. He just doesn't like. Those kind of people coming into his shop wearing his clothing. <laughs> I, I, you know, Jerry walks in in a pair of sneakers and jeans and a t-shirt or something, and I just look at him like he, 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 he's not an Andover man. You know, he never will be an Andover man. That, that's, that, that's, that's, the, that's the opinion I had. That's why I look at him and go, yes, you know, really? Can I really help you? Because you're not really going to buy that jacket. You're not going to wear that. It doesn't even, it's not you. You know, when I say then the Caruso buttons, oh they'll match my sneakers. Yeah. like, How dare you? these are Caruso buttons? You don't take the Mickey out of Caruso buttons. You know what I mean? And the crested crested blazer. You know, it's it's it's. So he doesn't hate him. He just looks down on him. He thinks he's uh, inferior.
1: I think that sneaker line is the line that really turns him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It's like that, that winds me up. It's like, you know, it, it's he says it under his breath, but I'm like, mm-hmm. and I can't because re- the customer's always right. I can't. So, so it's all in the attitude. But I don't hate him. I just look down at him. And that's also why I think he can't be with Elaine. There's no way he can be with Elaine because Elaine wouldn't go for someone who's, you know, as common as that. And he can't say my name right. So I, th- I think he's winding me up every time he says it. But I don't. But it's, it's, you know, he calls me Greg. He calls me Craig. He calls me everything. And it's like, it's Craig. OK, it's Craig. <laughs> which is a weird name anyway. It doesn't exist. But it's like, it's it's and, and that gets me, because every time he says Craig, I'm like, no, it's not Craig, it's Craig. You know, it's just like, and he's not, you don't know if he's doing it on purpose or not. That's what the lovely thing about Seinfeld. You don't know if he's doing it on purpose or he really doesn't know.
1: <laughs> and you also had a scene on the New York street with Julia and Norman Brenner, who was Michael Richards' stand-in. So what was it like working with Norman in that scene?
2: Norman was lovely because he was English, too. And, and right. me and him, you know, we, we we would chat on set sometimes. And everything. he was so excited because this was his first speaking part. This was, I think I don't know. If, I think I don't know if every season after that he got a few lines. I don't know. You you guys will know that. Um, but I mean, yeah, was, I think he
1: appeared it was later I was- on in, in later episodes, um, people remember him from the muffin tops as well. He was in Kramer's Peterman's reality tour. Um, but he had also had he had also appeared he was in as early as like the Chinese restaurant. He was. In oh, he was. Yeah,
2: he was, was a basic background. He was supporting. Art, he was a background artist, but they gave him these lines, obviously, because he was English. Yeah, um he was very nervous. God bless him. He was. And, and if you listen to him talking, he doesn't talk quite naturally as a person would talk. He comes. Yeah. In, he's like, Hi, Craig. How are you? And I'm like, yeah, and it's really hard not to pick up on his kind of tune. Because you want to go. I'm fine. How are you? And I do a bit. I'm like I'm fine. How are you? It's like it's like why is he talking like that? And so, and who's that? That's my friend. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> yeah. You know, and you start you start hearing his tune in your head, and you start like hearing an Australian accent. Once you hear an Australian accent, you start talking like that all the time. You're going up at the end. You can't help it. So it's like it's it's a, he, his his voice was. I mean, he was lovely, but I think he was very nervous, and he's, he got this sing song and his voice going
1: on. Yeah, I know. Maybe I will. I Exactly. Nice exactly. exactly. You. <laughs> Just like
2: what? Is, no one talks about it. Maybe I will. It's like what? <laughs> what what is what is that? He made uh, it, it's like made him a weird character.
1: We love Norman though. There's actually an entire Facebook group dedicated to Norman Brenner for like putting out his scenes, especially because people love that thing with, oh hi Ian Ian. <laughs> Ian <It's> Ian. Ian <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it's Ian. Again, we looked at i like, really? No one's called Ian, but it's just, it was just that whole Craig thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's great.
0: Ian! Hey, Craig! Elaine, this is uh, Ian. Oh, hi, Ian. Ian. <laughs> Ian. <laughs> Ian. He's a friend of mine from England. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how are you doing? Well, I'm working over at the Andover shop, actually. You should come by. I'll get you a great discount. Maybe I will. Nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet
1: you too. Bye. <laughs> Cheerio. Bye, Ian. <laughs> and also, according to the DVDs, there was a lot of heavy rain during the making of this episode, which is obviously odd for LA. So, did that affect your scene at all when you were filming on no, the New York Street? No,
2: it was it was hot. I mean, it's that, that's the weird thing about those scenes on that street. And the street's only like, I mean, the street is so short; they make it yeah. look so long. And they, 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 they're very clever. They use long lenses and it was bloody hot that day. And I'm in this huge overcoat and suit, you know, making it look like winter. We're all like walking down going. Oh,
3: oh,
2: oh. And we're actually sweating under there. It's like, you know, it's an it's, it's LA. So the rain had obviously, I think it was quite muggy. That's pretty what it was. The rain had either just come or gone. So it was really muggy, you know, that kind of, you know, really, you know, damp heat.
3: Yeah, well, in that classic scene at the end of the episode, when Kramer is walking down the street as a pimp, if you if you look it's closely, wet, you could it? see you could see it's raining. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's wet. I, I forgot that it is wet. I thought, how do they do that? Because the the hat is flying away in the rain and stuff. Or that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not a pimp. One well, of my favorite favorite end lines, and just the freeze frame on him just going, I'm not a pimp. <laughs> Genius. Genius. Perfect. I didn't I didn't have any scenes with him, unfortunately. It's a real shame. Real
0: yeah.
2: shame. But I. I wouldn't have survived any scenes with him I really wouldn't i'd i I'd, I'd have been giggling and laughing I, I mean I can watch him in that shower falling over with the power shower head over and over again. I mean that is comedy genius right there because you anyone else tries to do that. you can't do it. You can't recreate that scene if any comedy any actor tried to recreate that scene as Kramer did it. it wouldn't be funny. it would be like dangerous and oh dear, but it's just just i don't, I don't know how he did that stuff
1: oh. Definitely not.
3: <laughs> and you mentioned that when you weren't filming your scenes, you would just sit in, in the bleachers and watch the other yeah. scenes being filmed and rehearsed. So, any memories of that? Just watching the actors work, Michael or Jason, or just anything like that?
2: Just the just the uh, the understanding between them. I mean, it, I think it was season. What season was I? Season seven or eight? I can't remember.
3: It was uh, seven.
2: Seven. So you know they've done it for seven seasons. These guys, these 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 four people have been working. You know, six months a year together, you know, for that long, and just the the lack of of words between them, but the understanding between them. They had their own language, if you know what I mean. You know, they would say something like one word, and they go, "All oh, right, yeah, okay, I'll just okay, yeah." And you just you think what, and then you'd see something change in how they did it, or you know, or a bit of energy, or or the level would change, or the or the or the tempo would change or something. I and mean, then Jason Alexander is, is a is a is a very serious man. They're all very serious. I mean, Julie Louise Dreyfus knows. She's 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 lovely, she's much more relaxed than the others. Jason Alexander, Michael Richards, and Jerry Seinfeld, very serious comedians. I mean, they are they are looking at every beat, they are looking at every nuance. It is it is it is working with a scalpel you know it is it's, it's it's you know a lot of situation comedy is working with a big bloody knife this is working with a with i mean Seinfeld is different in that way that's why the editing is so important because you're catching all those brilliant moments and that's why it's always funny and that's why it's not like any other show because it is it is tiny little things uh which make it work and and and, and you know nothing is happening ultimately as we all know nothing is happening there's no big storyline it's just Minutia, anyway. It's da- daily minutia, which, which makes the story.
1: And that's I mean, why we love it. Jerry,
2: Jerry's buying a blazer from me. That's it. i conned mean, like Con Julia into, uh, you know, the Nicole Miller coming on the on the, on the boat.
1: Right. Over from Milan.
2: <laughs> from Milan. Or you, then to, you say, and then fall asleep like that.
1: You say it like Milan. You're like, from Milan.
2: <laughs> Milan. Milan. On the way from Milan. That's how we say it. I did not thought about that. It is You say Milan, don't you? Yeah. yeah in England we say, yeah, they're on the boat from Milan. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, there's been a problem. Was it? There's been a... It, yeah, it held up. It's been it held doesn't up specify. In, oh, yes, the Nicole Millers had been held up in a boat from Milan. God. And then I had to fall asleep, honestly, in like three seconds after that line. And... And that was just like, so I had to put a few yawns in before that and then just doze off. I mean, who'd fall asleep on Judy Louise's Draper's couches, for God's sake? Who? Who? No, right? What what man in his right mind would ever fall asleep on that couch?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And
3: you mentioned earlier that you have your Seinfeld script. So do you mind sharing with us what the cast wrote on it?
2: Yeah, funny enough what i do when i do a show is i i I keep the the final the final copy of the script because you go through different drafts this is actually the table draft i have here so this is the first script i got so you have a table draft and you have different colored scripts all the way through rehearsals till you get the final draft so you can have sometimes 12 different scripts for a week uh the full script is rewritten uh, but in this case, the fact that I've got the table draft here makes me realize that actually my script was never changed from the table draft. So what I like to do is I then like doing doing the taping and, you know, when people have makeup and stuff, I go around and I ask people, would you sign my script cover? And Seinfeld never really did it unless do. They have they done it with other people? Do you know? Have you seen this before?
0: Yes, I yeah, some friends my- who
2: don't do it.
3: Some of our other guests have told us that um the cast signed their script.
2: Yeah, so maybe maybe it was friends. So they signed my script. So Jerry wrote, Dear Harry. Where's Harry? question mark. Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, who's this? Dear Harry. If I could, I'd get your discounts all the time. Love Julie Louise Dreyfus. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh and then Harry. Can I get the discount too? That's George. And ha- and then Michael Richards says, Harry, so much fun, fun, fun. Amazing. Michael Richards. So it's just like, you know, it's lovely to have that.
1: That's great. Do you have a favorite scene that you were in?
2: It's got to be. It's got to be the first scene. It's got to be my first scene with Jerry. I mean, I don't know where those yeah and those uh-huh came from because it just it just I was so nervous and in the character and and, uh, out-of-body experiences happening that I look at that and I go that sums up the character in those in those first three minutes you know you just know this guy and I I look at it I go just just it's brilliant writing you know it's brilliant writing it's so well directed it's so I mean Jerry is such Jerry is totally underrated as an actor he's totally underrated himself he totally underrates his his talent because he's being so natural, bouncing off you. Jerry is just Jerry, and everyone, everyone around him is bigger. And that's what he's always said. He lets everyone else, you know, have the comedy. But he feeds the comedy. His response to you makes the comedy. His reaction to me going, uh-huh, is exactly how it should be. So, so and then he says, I'll be back, and I'm like, yeah. And again, his reaction to that—that's what makes it. It's not me saying yeah; it's him reacting. To, I mean, acting as we all know is reacting. He is one of the best reactors of, of, of on, you know, in in that genre. And he 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 gets, you know, he doesn't get the the respect he deserves for that. I mean, I'll tell you a Jerry story. Years, I mean, probably about probably about eight months after we filmed that, I was at a famous—not famous, but a well-known sort of diner in L.A. called Swingers, which I was there with some friends having breakfast. And Jerry Seinfeld pulls up in his Porsche. And my mate says, oh, it's Jerry Seinfeld. Should you go and say hello? I said, no, no, I'm not going to go and say hello to Jerry. He's not going to remember me. I mean, you know, one of the many guest stars on his show. He said, I'm, I'm sorry. He said, go, go and say hello. I want to meet him. He said, I'm not. No, sorry. It's, it's, it's him and his own space, guys. You've got to have respect. He gets out of his car, walks towards the door, looks over and goes, Harry, how you doing, man? Good, <laughs> going, good, Jerry, good. And, walks in. and I'm like, uh. and my friends are just like, I'm like, yeah, it's Jerry. It's me and Jerry. You know, we know each other. I mean, so, so he remembered me, which, which, which sounds stupid. But, you know, like I said, there's a lot of guest stars. He's been doing it for seven, eight years. You know, how many guest stars in seven or eight years? You've got three guest stars every episode. You've got 22 episodes a year. You know, that's, that's a lot of guest stars. That's thousands of guest stars. Okay, it was only eight months before that. But the fact that he took the effort means it meant a lot to me, you know, just that. That, that it's not like you know you know i'm jerry seinfeld i'm just gonna get up my coffee and ignore everyone so uh, it was that was lovely he's, he's a he's, he's a really really nice person they all are they're all so you know very supportive and very serious in their work and very rich
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh did you get to interact with any of the cast members off camera at all
2: um funnily enough no and that doesn't happen very much anyway i mean i'm trying to think uh, who, I mean, I, when I did, I mean, it's kind of rare because it's such an intense time. You've got a week. You've got four, five days, basically. What happened? You've got four days to, to basically bring a script from the page to a full-blown production by Friday or Thursday. And so there isn't much time for that. I mean, you, the only time you're probably together is in the dressing room, or in the makeup room. If you're there together, you may have a chat in the makeup room. But then if you're in there, you put pretty running lines. You know what I mean? So you're always working on because there are changes in the script, because there are, you know, as I said, changes. People have got to keep on top of that. So when they finish work, they go back to their dressing room. They wouldn't hang out. So the only time you'd be with them is actually on the set. And when you're on the set, you're just working the scene. Right. Um, and there isn't much banter going on because it's a pretty intense environment. Um, I mean, when I did friends, I became friends with Matthew Perry, funny enough. And I had no idea about his problems, which have come out now. I mean, you know, we became mates and uh, we went for a—I never forget we went for a drink. Can I tell you a friend story? Is that all right?
3: Sure. That's fine.
2: We went, me and Matthew became kind of buddies and we went for a drink one night in a little bar and we sat in a booth. And uh, he said, enjoy this one at last. I said, what is it? You'll see. And I sat, I don't oh, know what she's talking about, so we're having drinks, and having a chat and stuff, and, and then gradually I noticed there were a couple of girls standing by the booth sort of just loitering, all oh, cute, you know. And then about 10 minutes later I noticed about 10 girls standing outside the booth, and then within about 20 minutes you couldn't get out of the booth for about 20 girls, 30 girls to stand there staring. I, I could have been sat there night naked, no one cared about me, but <laughs> they were just staring at Matthew Perry, and I said, I said, this is crazy, he said, yeah, I know, it's just crazy, he said. He said it's really fun. I said it must have been fun at first. He said yes. I said for six. He said for six months it was, it was brilliant, but then I realised I was just a notch on a bedpost for them. No one wanted to go out with me. They just wanted to say I slept with Matthew Perry. Um, so, you know, you and I've I've experienced this a lot with so-called stardom. It's not it's not everything is cracked up to be. You know, it's uh, and it's kind of you can't have a normal life. And I'm very grateful. and This is going to sound weird, but I'm very grateful that I'm just a working actor. And I can do what I love doing and I can be kind of anonymous. I get recognized occasionally and it's it's flattering. I don't quite know what to do when I do, but I have a normal life and you know, I can go out with my kids. I can, you know, I can go anywhere I want. You know, I've done movies with people like Colin Firth and Colin Farrell and those people and I see them. You know, I, I did a movie with Colin Firth and, and everywhere he went. And he said he said he didn't mind when the paparazzi around. He said the nightmare now is everyone is paparazzi because everyone has a, has a camera and and he gets upset when people like are photographing him and his children and family and stuff without his permission so you know it's just like you can't live a normal life and yes you may be paid millions and millions of pounds but you're stuck in this kind of glass bubble anyway that's a different thing but no so um so there wasn't much interaction no there wasn't i mean there were very afterwards we had a little sort of get together i think on set i don't know if we had drinks on set or not sometimes we do I remember climbing on a car afterwards because I wanted to get a photograph of me in front of the Seinfeld logo because the Seinfeld logo is on the massive stage doors, on the studio doors. There's a Seinfeld logo. It's quite high up. So I drove, I think I had a Bronco at the time. I drove my Bronco and my friends set it up and I stood on the roof of my Bronco. and was like that in front of the Seinfeld logo. So I got that photo (laughs) somewhere. So I was busy doing that. I think we all went out for a drink and got probably quite, you know, quite pissed. But it was, uh, no, there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't much reaction, the interaction, again, professionals, you know, and, and if I'd been there two or three weeks, yeah, but I'm not, you're there for five days and you're in and you're out. On to the next one for them.
3: And you mentioned your favorite scene. Uh, Do you have a favorite memory from that week?
2: Probably, probably looking up and seeing, my friends in the audience, and they couldn't believe I was down there. <laughs> Probably their reaction when they saw me on the monitors, because it's like you know they they knew they shouldn't shout out, they'd to, they know but it was just such an outburst for them. And it wasn't that it, it was just me sharing one of the highlights of my life with two people who I really you know liked and respected, and you know we we're lifelong friends since then anyway. But it was that moment of them realizing I'm on the show, and me realizing shit, I'm on this show. Because it kind of hit me then their reaction. Because you know you go into it, and you're in this bubble of like, okay, I'm working, I'm doing Seinfeld, blah 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 blah. It's only when they go, you're you're on Seinfeld, man. I'm like, shit, I am. I'm on I'm on Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, I'm on part of American. I didn't know it then, but I'm on part of American television history. And that that's that that didn't really hit me until they it didn't really hit me till probably a couple of years afterwards. You know when Seinfeld did become this this sort of iconic, you know the the comedy show of America, and it's still unreal to me that I was part of that. It's I still don't really believe deep down that I'm I was on that show because it is such an amazing show. And if I'm watching, I was in a I was in a um I was in a wardrobe fitting a couple of where was I, I think I was here actually in England. I was in a wardrobe fitting and they had the television on in the wardrobe room. And my episode was on Seinfeld on the television. Oh, wow. And I said to them, I said to them, oh, look. They said, what? I said, guess who that is? They looked at them and I went, who? I said, that boat there. They said, And you? And I said, yeah. They said, you're on Seinfeld. I said, yeah. They said, oh, my God, i watched this episode. So, you know, people just don't, it's just, everyone knows it. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just like, People, I mean, when you, I mean, America's. i oh, I tell you this. I got, I got to tell you this. When I first came to America, I was trying to get an agent, which is really hard because I was like, you know, English guy, not much of a showreel, not much of a resume, blagging my way around auditions and stuff. And I was trying to meet cast directors and trying to meet agents. And one agent met me, and uh, first thing he said to me, he said to me, uh, "What about the uh, what about the nose?" I said, sorry. He said, what about the nose? You gonna do anything about the nose? And I said, no, it's my nose. I'm not gonna change my nose. You wanna be that plastic surgery for my nose. So first, we, we, we weren't getting on very well from the start. And then he said, he said, well, I'd like to get people to read stuff to see if you can, what kind of stuff you can do. Can you can you, can you do a few scenes for me? And he gave me a scene from Seinfeld. And I did the scene from Seinfeld and something else. And he said, yeah, you see, no, you, you're not going You never do situation comedy. You haven't got it. Wow. You know, you 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 you, you can't be on those kind of. You know, I can't book you because you don't understand the situation comedy thing. And I was doing it well. And I wish to this day that I had his number so I could have invited him to the screening of Seinfeld, to the to the to the filming of Seinfeld, because it would have been like, not sort of like up yours, but just like. I, I think I think I did get it, mate. I think I think I got it down in the end. because it's like you know once that's that's the bar and and also still today when i'm auditioning for stuff and i get nervous i say in my head this is not this is so much easier than seinfeld you know compared to seinfeld you can do this because once you've done seinfeld it's like it's like that that's the bar and everything after that is like below that bar
3: yeah all right, so at the very end of our interviews, we usually do a final segment called this that and the other where we ask you a bunch of non-Seinfeld related questions, but unfortunately, we're running out of time because we have to head to work. So, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your experience working on Seinfeld that week?
2: Well, like I said, it didn't really hit me until a few years later that 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 this show was was such an iconic and brilliant piece of work and It kind of amazes me still that I am part of that Um, and it still amazes me that I was given that opportunity and that I was in the right place at the right time and basically took that gamble of saying, let's do this English and and let's play around with it a bit in the audition. Um, You know, that little uh aha. Got me onto television history. That one little noise that came out of me. I don't know where it came from. don't know why it came out of me. It was just in the character. So thank, it's its its those moments in your life you think, that changed my life. Because doing Seinfeld, I've had so much other jobs from Seinfeld. There was a TV show called Studio 60 on Sunset Strip by, um oh God, who's the f- big writer? A huge name. Aaron Sorkin? Aaron Sorkin. Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin called me in for an audition for that because he loved my character on
1: Seinfeld.
2: Oh, wow. So I went for the audition for that, and I I know I got the part because he wanted to work with me because I've been on Seinfeld, because he's a huge Seinfeld fan. So, I mean, you don't know how many meetings you have in your career. So basically what I'm saying is, thanks to Seinfeld, I probably worked a lot more than I would have if I hadn't cracked that nut of being on that, Part of incredible television history, and I'm so, so grateful that I was.
3: Well, you were amazing in the episode, and we're so grateful that you joined us today because this was really a lot of fun. We appreciate it.
2: Pleasure, real pleasure, guys. Looking forward to listening to me waffle on for. I haven't stopped talking for an hour. How are you going to cut it Uh, down? Listen,
3: you 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 made it very easy for us because you know it's very early here, so you just (laughs) we just let you talk, and you had some great stories, and we it was just a pleasure.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. You gave us some really great stuff. And just thank you for creating such a wonderful character in Craig. And, like, you know, everybody knows this, and it's going to be, you know, everybody – I think people will be really excited to hear. So thank you for just being an important part of Seinfeld lore.
2: Real pleasure, guys. Thank you very much.
3: Absolutely. And we're going to have to invite you back for this, that, and the other at some point. All right,
2: this, (laughs) that, and the other. I'll be there. I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye now.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at beseinfeld at gmail.com. You can also find our show on Facebook at The Place to Be, a Seinfeld podcast, Twitter at tptbseinfeld, and Instagram at theplacetobe.podcast. You can find our show on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like, please rate and review. It really helps us out. Until next time, be sure to hang up your pants for the perfect crease.
0: How do you like working there at the uh, Andover shop? I mean, it's pretty swanky, upscale clientele. Mm. Except for Jerry. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> so did you see anything you liked? Oh. Because I can get you a um, considerable discount. Really? Hmm. Well, actually, yeah, I did see this amazing little black dress, it was uh, sleeveless. The Nicole Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of it. Really? Mm. But I barely know you. Well, we'll um, just have to do something about that, won't we? Ah, ah, Hi, ah. <laughs> 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 hey, Greg. It's Craig. Ah, right. Nice lunch for the way? Yes, lovely. You know, I'm just curious, how did you know she wasn't my girlfriend? Well, I could just sense it. Because, you know, we used to go out. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, we went way out in oh, oil. Hey, Chair. Hello. Would you like to buy a rose for your wife? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> how do you know she's not my wife?